Hi, and welcome law firm owners to a very special episode of the Wildly Successful Law Firm Podcast. This is probably the most nervous I've ever been before recording a podcast episode because it's very personal. This entire episode is about me and how I started doing what I started doing. I realized that I've never actually shared this on my own podcast, and I've probably shared bits and pieces on other people's podcasts about who I am and how I started in uh, law firm consulting. So here it is, my story from my perspective so that you can understand what makes me so passionate about this, what makes me qualified to do this, why I started doing all of this, and hopefully gives you a little bit more insight into my world and uh yeah that's that's really it just more insight into my world and as i start 2023 you know this is how i want to start this year by sharing a very personal side to myself and my life with you wonderful people who have been listening into this podcast so i graduated from law school in 2010. i went to the university at buffalo school of law I went to Emory for undergrad and I went from Atlanta to Buffalo. And I know that sounds a little crazy and jarring for some people going from Hotlanta to one of the coldest places in the United States. And trust me, I definitely felt that shock when I moved from Atlanta to Buffalo, but a big part of why I ended up going to law school in the first place is really just a fluke. I was talking to a friend of mine freshman year of college and we were sitting on the steps of the dorm building that we lived in and he asked me, what do you want to do when you get out of college? What do you want to major in? And I said, business, because I come from a family of entrepreneurs. Every single member of, member of my family owns their own business. No one works corporate. No one works for someone else. We all have our own businesses. So that naturally felt like where I would go and having a business degree would help me the most. And my friend looked at me and he said, well, you're smart. So why don't you just go to law school and become a business lawyer? Okay. These were two very stupid 18 year olds who were nowhere near becoming lawyers, never spent any time with lawyers, had no idea what they were talking about. And based on his very sage advice, I said, sure. I was also very young at the time and very easily influenced. And my friend thought I was smart and smart enough to go to law school. And so that's what I was gonna do. I switched from business to law school, literally based on, on that conversation. Then as I was going through undergrad, you know, I went through the process of finding an internship. I worked for a lawyer in Gwinnett, which is in Georgia, it's a suburb. And this attorney that I worked for really showed me all of the ins and outs of being a lawyer. He was short tempered. Uh, he discounted his rates, but man, did I get a ton of freaking experience working for him. And it was the first time in my life that I had worked in an office. Again, coming from a family of entrepreneurs, my family had gas stations and I would stand as a cashier at their gas stations. So when I compared gas station life to being in, a, in an air conditioned office where I could sit all day, felt like such an upgrade that I was like, well, clearly this is what I wanna do. Even though there were some moments where I was like, God, I can't believe 
I have to work here nine to five. Like I could already sense that set feeling of doom setting in when I was younger, like a sophomore in college. Anyway, I went through a few internships in college. I worked for a personal injury attorney, which is why I understand so much about PI. The first attorney I worked with was in family, which is why I understand so much about family law. From there, I finally applied to law school and I got in. I knew I wanted to practice law in New York, so it didn't make sense for me to apply to any schools in Georgia. I also knew that I had a great deal of student loan debt from Emory and wanted to make the right financial decision. So I went to University at Buffalo, which is a state school. And my second year, I got in-state tuition, which was peanuts compared to what I paid for a year at Emory. Now, I went from Atlanta to Buffalo. It was super cold and Buffalo is very different from Atlanta, especially back in 2010. It's a lot of bars. I wasn't really a bar person and it was a much smaller city and I was coming from Atlanta and I had grown up in Queens and it just felt so off. So beyond knowing that the city that I was going to law school in wasn't the right city for me to ever be in, I was going through classes and just really having a hard time. So my freshman, my freshman year, my first year in law school, my 1L year, I did not do well my first semester. And for me, not doing well means B's and C's. And so it was really one of the first times in my life that I had gotten B's and C's. I felt very out of place. My first semester exams were all multiple choice. And I was in the group where they had just decided this group is gonna be multiple choice because it takes professors too long to correct exams and to give final grades. So they decided my pod was going to be the multiple choice pod. And at the time I was like, sure, why not? Knowing full well that I'm not a good multiple choice exam taker. I'm really an excellent essay writer. And I was like, sure, whatever, no big deal. I had no idea how to study for my exams. They were so difficult for me because I felt like I could convince myself into at least two of the choices being the right choice. All of that to say, I did not do well my first semester. And then every semester thereafter, I pretty much got all A's with like a sprinkling of a B here and there. Once I learned how to study for law school exams, I was set. I had my way of doing it and it worked every single semester and other people would have their way and I'd be like, nope, not my way, shutting down, not listening to anything you guys are saying. Now, even as I was going through all of this and I started doing better in classes, I still felt like, oh my God, do I really wanna be a lawyer? I felt this deep sense of like discomfort and I just didn't have the ability to say, I'm not gonna do this. I'm gonna leave law school. I'm only one year in, so I'm gonna pull out. I did not have the courage, the strength, any of that to be able to say I'm out. I don't regret making that decision because I'm telling you, learning how to think like a lawyer and learning how to read contracts and look for information and listen for bullshit, I think is one of the greatest skills that law school has ever taught me. And there's nothing else in the world that could have replaced that experience. And the ability to stand in front of a room of people and not want to faint or fall into a puddle has been huge for me, especially as someone who wants to be a speaker and speak to teams and law firms and all of that. It's gone a really long way. So I definitely don't regret that, but I always kind of knew even in law school, 
I don't know if I really want to do this thing. So I had gone to law school with the intention of, hey, I want to practice in New York. I want to be on Wall Street. I want to be a partner in a law firm. I want to live in New York City. You know, I, I grew up in Queens. I wanted to go back to Manhattan. I wanted to be around the big buildings. I wanted to be part of big deals. That got me really excited when I was in my 20s. And that's what pulled me towards New York and what pulled me towards law school. And as I graduated, it was, I always say, it's like the worst generation of attorneys to ever graduate. We're the lost generation. You know, a lot of us ended up going into compliance. This was the time when law firms were laying off, massively laying off. They said, please don't come summer associate with us. Don't, we know we promised you a job, but go somewhere else. We cannot hire you. I was in that bucket of people and it was awful to have worked so hard through law school to go through nine big law interviews and to not have a job at the end of all of that. I felt so sad and for the first time I was considering working for the SEC or the FDIC. These were not places I actually wanted to work. The only place I wanted to work was big law. Not having that was really difficult. It's one of the most challenging points in my life and I will tell you that through a coincidence of events I ended up doing an internship in New York. I went to the CME one day the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. And there I met someone in their enforcement department. I said, hey, would you consider bringing me in for an interview? I sent her my resume. She said, sure, she passed it on. The HR person called me. I went into New York City for an interview. I was hired and I started law school. I left law school with a job. And I'm very fortunate to be able to say that I did because there's a lot of colleagues of mine who did not leave law school with a job, who struggled for months and years to find themselves in anything legal. My job at the CME group was, was not started as legal. It was definitely in enforcement and compliance. Compliance became the sexy thing that every attorney got hired for because Dodd-Frank had just come out and it completely changed the New York banking industry and they literally scooped up all of the unemployed attorneys and all of the recently graduated attorneys and they said come here because you know how to read law and you need to tell us what we can do and what we can't do and that's essentially what happened to me and a lot of my colleagues i went to see me i stayed there for a year and a half i hated it i did not enjoy my time there i've always been honest about not enjoying being at CME. I knew I wanted a law job and I kept trying to complete my application for the character and fitness, which took me forever to get all of my affidavits through, all of my everything from previous employers, getting all of my transcripts. All of that was such a process for me. And once I finally got it, I got into the character and fitness. It was like a two second interview. I was in, I was out, I was sworn in. It felt great to finally have Esquire behind my name, even though I had passed the bar exam the first time a year before. And here I was in New York, not working in law. In about January, February of the second year I was in New York City, so around 2011, uh, I got an opportunity uh, to work with uh, a financial foreign exchange firm called Alpari, A-L-P-A-R-I. They were looking for a junior in-house counsel. 
In 2012, I joined them as in-house counsel, and this was my first time being able to practice law. They were on Wall Street, and I worked nine to five. It was nine to five on paper, but in reality, it was like eight to like 6.30. And that is a really cushy life for a lot of attorneys who are on Wall Street. I was really lucky in that I got recruited to be in-house counsel. I had a really great boss who I still respect to this day. She taught me so much about reading contracts and understanding contracts that if I hadn't had that, I wouldn't be able to review contracts the way that I do to this day. And I have so much respect for everything that I learned from her, but that company was not a good fit for me. And I kept feeling like there has to be more to this than life. I can't just be here reviewing contracts, going home, you know, coming back in the same day, you know, I was living in Manhattan. It was just all overwhelming and exhausting. And I just felt like it, there's gotta be more than this. And it felt like it's probably a very millennial privilege thing to say, but I promise I wasn't coming from a place of privilege. It was just genuine curiosity. There's gotta be more. At the time I was lucky. I had an idea for a tech startup. And I realized that if I wanted to work on that tech startup, I was going to have to leave my job so that I could pursue this idea that I had. And the culture fit between me and this company just wasn't there. I've said this in the past, but right around, right around Hurricane Sandy, which was a really big hurricane that came through, my company that I was working for decided to let go 30% of the staff. And for me, I was like, can't work for a place like this. This just is not right. So all of that to say, I knew it was time for me to leave. I wasn't happy practicing law and I kept trying to figure out, okay, what's the next thing? So I had this idea for a tech startup along with my, my desire to still support myself. And I had a few opportunities come along because I had this very specific expertise. I worked in compliance, I worked at an FX firm, I had so much experience with Dodd-Frank, with compliance, with the NFA, with the CFTC, with the SEC. I knew where to find answers, I, know, I knew who to call, I knew that system. And I decided that I was gonna go out on my own and I was going to be an attorney, a compliance attorney for the hedge funds and you know all the other sort of financially regulated entities in New York. And I left my job, my in-house counsel job, the job that everyone dies for. <laughs> I left that to start my own business. And I mean, I always knew it was gutsy and I always knew that that was gonna be the next step for me, but it was quite a big leap and I didn't know anything. I mean, I, I obviously filed paperwork with the state, paid taxes, all of that. I was registered, I had a bank account, I had a trust account, I had all of those wonderful things, but I didn't know how to develop relationships. I didn't know how to get more work. I didn't even charge fixed fees. So embarrassing to say this, but I was working with hedge funds making who had hundreds of millions, I mean like half a million dollars, $300 million in assets under management. And I was charging by 
the hour. And I had so much experience and expertise. Like I would do compliance audits for them. I would do like fake NFA audits so that if the NFA came in, they would still be okay because we had already done an audit to make sure like all the gaps were filled. I had, I'd done so much for them and I was just charging by the hour. And there were weeks where I made like five grand a month and then weeks where I made $500 a month. And that at the time felt like, well, at least I'm making something, but I hadn't quite developed the business acumen that I have now. And when I go back and I think on that time and I'm like, if I had a Nermeen in my life telling me you gotta charge fixed fees. You can't work for less than 5,000 a month. This is what you're gonna do. All you need is four clients at five Gs a month and that's it. I would have been so much more successful as a law firm owner. So when I say like I made all the mistakes, I genuinely mean I made all the mistakes. I didn't have a strategy. I didn't have a budget. I was just there month to month, day to day. Here's the client, here's the business, here's the problem, let's solve it. I wasn't thinking ahead for them. And that just kept me from like actually growing my business. And now when I think about the consultant I am today and like how I think ahead for my clients, I, I just didn't even have that in me at that time. So again, lots of mistakes made. You know, I'm, I'm working on my law firm while I'm working on like a tech startup at the same time. I get to a point where it's 2014. I'm very tired of living in New York, y'all. It's cold, it's overwhelming, it's exhausting. I just felt tired of it and I had this grass is greener on the other side symptoms and decided I was gonna move to California. Now look, I'd never even visited California. I thought about moving to California multiple times in my fantasies, but I think at some point I just, I was done with New York and I was ready to leave. So I got on a flight to go to California having never visited before. I still had my firm. I just did my, I had all my clients in New York, but I was doing my work from California. So when I tell you guys, like I've been working from home since before it was cool to work from home. I've literally been working from home since 2013 or yeah, 2013 is how long I've been working from home for. So anyway, all of that to say, I get on a plane, I leave New York, I move to California, I'm working on my tech startup while still working with my clients in New York. And I wanted to see if California was gonna be a good fit for me. I always say every New Yorker has, has a moment where they're like, I'm moving to California. I had to see if it was for me or not. And I'm so glad that I did because I spent a year, a full year in LA and I hated it. Y'all, I won't even lie hated it. I did not enjoy it. The weather is supposed to be beautiful, but it just felt boring after the first 60 days. You know, the first 60 minutes, I was like, this is amazing. I can't believe I get to live here. And then after day 60, I was like, can it rain? Can something happen? Like, it's just the same every day. And I was just, I was annoyed. So my California time came to a close. My tech startup also came to a close. I'll tell you a quick story about this tech startup. I created the idea while I was in New York. I had a website built for it. It was called Lumel, L-U-M-E-L-L-E. -L -L -E. It was a friendship making platform for women in New York. I had seen that there was this huge problem, which was you graduate from school, you move to New York, you have no friends, your friends, 
get married, they have kids, you lose connections, you're all alone. You have no one to do things with in the greatest city in the world. Making friends is incredibly difficult after college. I realized that was a problem. I wanted to solve it. I built a website, spent $50,000 on it and another 15,000 in marketing and promoting it, which is why I know so much about marketing and promoting guys. That's where all of that experience came from. The website barely worked. It was shit. It would always give a 404 error or timeout. It was built by some very shitty developers in India. Listen, I'm from India. This, this is not me knocking on them. That's just me being honest. And I came over to California to try to get VC money. I wanted to get funding. I wanted to get this idea in front of people or I wanted a CTO who could develop it the right way so that I could take it to a VC or at least have it as an app so that it could work on phones instead of only websites. Now, this was also a time where like apps were becoming a thing. They were becoming more popular. The iPhone had come out. If you think about eight years ago, like some of this stuff was just starting and it hadn't quite become the thing that it is today. All of that to say, I did not get funded. I kept having this problem with VCs, which was they wanted me to have 100,000 users before they would give me a million dollars. And my thing was, give me a million so I can get to 100,000. It was this chicken and egg problem. There was no resolution. And after a time, I just felt really defeated by even the startup market. It felt like there were so many tech startups out there. Everyone had a tech startup and there, everyone was working crazy, insane hours. You know, they'd work 15, 20 hours a week. They'd work their full-time job. They'd work their side job. They'd work their passion. And it was just like, overwhelming and just too much. So I decided California is not for me. I already knew it wasn't for me. And also this tech startup is not for me. I'm coming back to Atlanta. Atlanta is where my family has been. I left in 2015 and I came back to Atlanta, September, October of 2015. And I've been here since. Now, when I came here, I'd love to say I was going to start consulting. That is definitely not how my life happened. So in 2015, when I came back to Atlanta, I remember this conversation very specifically with my parents. You know, I was in their house, they lived in the suburbs, and they asked me, hey, Nermeen, what do you wanna do while you're here? You're back in Atlanta, are you gonna practice law? Are you gonna become licensed in Georgia? And my Im immediate reaction was no. And I told them, I was like, I think I'd like to go to, you know, London or Paris. I could have done my compliance work from there. There were companies in London that were also trading in the US. Maybe I could work with them and make them compliance clients as well. I had not fully thought out a plan. Again, this is the benefit of being stupid, young, in your 20s. You don't have to think things through. And my parents were just like, okay, that sounds really stupid. So we have an idea. We'd like to start a mattress factory. Would you do that? And I looked at them and I was like, you wanna make mattresses here in Atlanta? And it felt stupid enough and I felt lost enough to be able to say, yes, let's do it. So between 2016 and 2017, I ran a mattress factory for my parents, it still exists today. And it was one of the best experiences of my life because I learned so much about managing people and about the steps of production. I also became incredibly humbled in the process because, you know, employees wouldn't show up and I would be stuck building mattresses, which to this day, I can still make a wonderful mattress and a box spring. And I'm very good at that. 
So it was a very hands-on job and I really enjoyed like the physical part of it and the mental part of it. I will tell you to be honest, it became very much what a lot of family businesses become, which is arguing at the dinner table, uh, not being short with family members. And, you know, I love my parents and I still love them. And I told them, hey, I can't do this if I'm gonna have any form of a real relationship with you guys. So I bowed out of the business. I trained my brother on everything. But during that year that I was at Mattress Atlanta, I got Six Sigma certified. And what that means is I understand operational processes. I understand how to make things more efficient, not just for a manufacturing business, but for all of businesses. There is a systematic way of thinking of things that you learn only through the Lean Six Sigma process and you really learn to identify problems, how to solve the problem, how to reduce the number of steps, how to make things more efficient. It's one of the greatest things that I learned during that time. So all of that to say, I ended up leaving my parents' business and starting off as a consultant. And what really precipitated that was I'd met someone who we were actually leasing our warehouse space from and he had said he was a consultant. And I said, do you work for a big company? And he was like, no, I work for myself. And I was like, huh, you can be a consultant for yourself? I had no idea. I mean, think about it, I'm a lawyer, I've worked at gas stations. I don't think you can be a consultant for yourself. In my mind, you work for big four or you're not a consultant. Like that's the only way a consultant exists. And I started talking to him more and he became one of my first coaches and I became his mentee and I would email him back and forth and I was like so what do you think about this and what do you think about that and can you give me advice on this and he was so wonderful and so helpful and he really helped me think about what kind of business I wanted to run as a consultant and you know I first started out doing a little bit of consulting for manufacturing and the problem with manufacturing is that most people who own manufacturing businesses are male and they don't want a woman telling them what to do, much less a woman of color who's younger than them. Sorry, these are just the facts. And I just kept butting heads with these business owners where I'm like, your entire factory doesn't make sense. You've got no production flow here. Let me draw this out for you. It needs to go one, two, three, four, not one, two, three, four, 4.2. Like it just didn't make sense at all. So I decided I wasn't gonna consult manufacturers anymore. And when I really started to think about the people I wanted to work with and what my skill set was, I was like, you know what? I wanna work with lawyers. And that's when I started my law firm consulting business. And I really took it from a place of please don't make the mistakes that I did. Here's what I would recommend. You know, where's the business coming from? Looking at numbers, looking at the analytics, looking at the data. All of that came from me at a manufacturing plant and having to look at data, getting Lean Six Sigma, and then applying all of that with the experience that I had as, as a law firm owner and what I was going to do as a lawyer really being able to combine all of those things into my consulting. And over the years, I can tell you I've worked with hundreds of law firm owners and the fears that they feel I felt every day when I was practicing as a lawyer. So 
I get what you're going through as a law firm owner because I've been there. And I will tell you that when I moved to Atlanta is when I closed down my law firm. All the clients that I had, I said, you know, I'm, I'm no longer doing this. And I sent the business on to other people and it just became a closed chapter of my life. And then I started working with my parents' business. But what I want you to know is that I understand what it means to be a lawyer. I get how stressful it is. I've worked in so many different practice areas that I understand them all too well. And I know a lot of attorneys are like, wow, you knew that? Yeah, because that's what you get when you hire a lawyer to consult with you. You have someone who actually understands the number of steps it takes before you file a demand letter. You, you have someone who gets the nuances of child custody and just every area of law that's out there. I understand how they work because I've worked in so many different offices. Now I have considered many times since I've been consulting for the last five-ish so years uh, that I might want to leave my license, leave the Esquire behind my name. And the reality is that I've just worked too hard to become a lawyer to leave that Esquire. I'm happy paying right now, don't hold me to this forever, but at this moment, I'm happy paying the New York State Bar Association, my bar fees and my bar dues in exchange for that Esquire behind my name. I know that with the doctors that I work with, being a lawyer carries so much credibility with them. I'm not just a consultant, I'm a lawyer. When I work with other attorneys and I say, hey, I'm a lawyer as well, and I worked on Wall Street and I had my own law firm, that carries a lot of credibility with them. I don't wanna lose that because I know that it's so hard for lawyers to trust, and it's so hard to believe that yes, this person can help me, and it's so hard to believe that I can't do this on my own, that I do need help. So I really hope that what you're getting from this is, I've been doing this for a really long time. I love what I do. Over the years, I have limited my practice to just women attorneys and minority attorneys because that's who I am. That's how I identify. And I know how difficult it is for women attorneys my mom attorneys, minority attorneys to make it as successful law firm owners. I feel, and I say this all the time, but it's disgusting how happy my work makes me. I feel very lucky and very privileged to do what I do. So I don't think everyone gets the benefit of this when, when they leave the practice of law and decide to do something else, but I'm so clear that this is what I'm supposed to be doing and feel very, very lucky to be able to help the clients that I do get to work with. That's the story of Nermeen. I am so grateful that you listened into this. I think that there were probably a lot of questions that were answered here. Nermeen, what's your story? Nermeen, how did you start doing what you're doing? Why are you doing this? Why did you leave the practice of law? You know, how did you end up consulting law firm owners? All of this has been a process and man, have I learned a lot of lessons along the way, but you know, the most important lesson that I've learned is 
as a business owner, how you treat people goes a very long way. And I would never trade that for anything. I've seen business owners treat their clients horribly. And I just think to myself, oh my God, I would never treat my clients this way. It doesn't matter how frustrated I get, I just wouldn't. Um, so a lot of that comes from experience. It comes from my upbringing, from my parents and just who I am. So yeah, thank you for listening into this intro episode about who I am. And I hope that you really enjoy this season of the podcast. Thank you for listening in and I will see you in the next episode. Hey, law firm owners. Thanks so much for listening in to another episode of the Wildly Successful Law Firm Podcast. I so appreciate your support and being here. Please, please, please take two seconds to subscribe to the podcast or to leave a review. And don't forget to sign up for our newsletter because I do send a lot of specials and offers and just cool things via email once every week. The link to sign up is below. Thank you so much again for supporting me. I am here to help you grow your wildly successful law firm. Thank you.